Well, here we are in 2022, and it's that time again. It's episode 42 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. The guest today, I'm really, really honored to have Lieutenant Colonel Brett Green on the show. Brett of Liberty Center, Ohio. Uh, And of course, Brett's going to provide you with uh, some wonderful tips, wonderful insights about basketball officiating, and uh, real excited to have Brett on the show. Um, Brett is currently employed at Thomas Farms in White House, Ohio, as he farms with his father-in-law. And he also is employed at NWOCA in Archibald as the superintendent of Northwest Ohio Virtual Academy Initiatives. Uh, Brett uh, has served in the Ohio National Guard for 17 years with his current rank, of course, as lieutenant colonel. He's in his 19th season of basketball officiating, technically 20, but the one year he had to uh, not officiate and go to Afghanistan. Uh, He's been married to his wonderful wife, Jill, for seven years, and uh, they have one child, Evelyn, who is two years old, and outstanding news, uh, they are expecting their other child in June, so we're real excited for Brett and his wife, Jill. Uh, Like I said, they currently live in Liberty Center, and uh, they're going to be living in uh, Grand Rapids here, uh, eventually on a farm, so he's got a lot of things in motion right now. He's had a really successful high school basketball career, which you'll hear here shortly. And uh, just a real thrill to have Lieutenant Colonel Brett Green on the show. So speaking of uh, great people, uh, Matt Kearns is owner of PQ2 LLC, and he's the sponsor of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast with Mark Fralick. Um, the, the company PQ2 has been in Ohio, uh, in Ohio for, for quite some time. Uh, Matt himself has been a basketball official for 35 years. And he's a member of both the Trumbull County, Portage County, and Lake Erie Basketball Officiating Associations in Northeast Ohio. Matt's a great friend, uh, a great mentor for a lot of officials, all-around great guy. So you can learn more about the the sponsor of this podcast, PQ2 LLC, at pq-2.com. And also, if you could, uh, please set your notifications up on this podcast so whenever there's a new one that hits the the, uh, airwaves that uh, you'll be receiving a notification on your phone on that so you can hit the favorites button or subscribe or whatever that takes to do that and finally if you want to support the podcast uh, you can go to anchor.fm backslash mark dash fralick and click on the support button from there you can select any of the options Uh, thanks very much for tuning in always appreciate it when you listen I hope you enjoy listening to Lieutenant Colonel Green and uh, onward we go to the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. Enjoy. So here we are, another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. And as we mentioned, we have Lieutenant Colonel Brett Green joining us. Thanks for coming on the show, Brett. Hey, Mark. Uh, glad, to, glad to be on. I've listened to all, most all your episodes, so... Uh... Glad to finally be a guest. <laughs> well, it's a, it's an honor to have you on. It really, truly is. Uh, before we get to the pregame, though, we do want to hear from Matt Kearns and his company, PQ2 LLC. We'll be right back. Hey, Ref. If your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough candid and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. 
Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. Well, welcome back, and we're in the pregame, and you know we're going to probably cover a lot of topics on this pregame, so it might run a little bit long. We'll just shorten up some of the other sections, but uh, we do want to do uh, a season review, a season review, a little bit with uh, with Brett, and uh, we can talk about how the season's going on with him, and and maybe some interesting stories. But uh, Brett, anything about this about this year so far that uh, that you've learned about yourself as a basketball official, or any situations that you've encountered? Well, you know, Mark, you know, this year, obviously, we're kind of back into uh, the the normal, we'll say, with the fans and everything. So, uh, you know, that's been a, a really good thing to happen, I think, uh, is getting fans back in the stands. It's it's not quite as many as, uh, I guess, like we thought it would be, several of us, and talking about it. You know, we thought people would just flood, flood back and come and watch games because they didn't get to last year. And, uh, you know, I think maybe with – with a lot of these places doing live streams and things, people have just kind of, you know, maybe stayed home a little bit more. And, you know, COVID's obviously still around. Uh, so, you know, I'd say maybe that's some of it too. Uh, but as far as games uh, this year, you know, we I, I've had the gambit of all the games, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, <laughs> had some, you know, it's almost like the movie title, I guess, but uh you know, we've had some, some running clock games. We've had some, you know, 10, 10 to 20 point games. And, and we've had a couple close games. Um, probably the best game I had had so far this year. And the most inter- interesting finish, uh, was, uh, the f- one of the first round games of the route 49, uh, classic. Uh, it was, uh, Hicksville and Eden boys. And, uh, just a, you know, kind of a typical uh, methodical game all the way through. Uh, I think biggest lead maybe was eight, ten points. And then the last minute of the game was was just crazy. It, it, nobody really wanted to, to pull away with the game and went back and forth. Uh, several uh, turnovers, kind of key mistakes. And uh, yeah, I think Eden ended up pulling it out by, by two points. But uh, that was probably the best game uh we i've had all season so far uh as far as you know nip and talk back and forth uh but yeah it was just that last minute i I was showing my dad the last minute of the game because he used to officiate and you know it was just some weird stuff happened and uh but but we were able to stay on top of it and you know get through the weirdness Uh, yeah well that's always important especially before the you know from the time the season begins in november and, and into december some of those things happen because nobody's really playing a lot of basketball and um you know the season really kind of kicks into gear now in january and february so hopefully a lot of the teams will get those little odd things out of their system but you and i both know that's probably not going to happen anyways but it's well, it sounded good anyways yeah you hope they do and you know maybe gel or they get some kids back from being sick or something but yeah it's you never know yeah i i had a game uh this week that boy the uh the first what six minutes of the game i think it was just back and forth either a turnover or a missed basket we had two minutes to go in the first quarter and it was still two to nothing it was just i've never encountered anything like that it was a lot of running but not much happening and uh yeah that's uh didn't didn't really want to see that but but that's just one of those things that happens in in games every once in a while 
Um, yeah, well, it wasn't that cold yet to, to make the rims that icy. <laughs> True, that's right. So when did you start officiating? What made you decide to take up uh, basketball officiating? Yeah, so I think I, I mentioned it there. My dad used to officiate. Um, you know, I, I carried his bag for, for quite a few years. I think he didn't start officiating till I was maybe like eight years old, something like that. So, uh, what, 90, early nineties, 92, somewhere. Um, but you know, I, I just remember going to a bunch of games with him, um, at, at, at all over, you know, and, and, uh, Temple Christian and Mansfield was one of the places I, I really just remember going to games with him and, uh, like Buckeye central and Cyrus, you know, kind of around my parents are from Galleon. My dad was in the Mansfield association. Um, so really that's when I picked it up, you know, started going with him and then, um, somewhere probably near the end of high school, I, you know, he, we got the opportunity to work at, uh, Galleon St. Joe's and St. Bernard or St. Bernard's up in, uh, New Washington, you know, on the Saturday or Sunday deanery league games. And, uh, you know, I just had some black dress slacks and black shoes and a old referee shirt that I think we bought or something, but, uh, you know, just kind of doing that with him. And, and, uh, finally, when I went to college, I, I got my license, my first year in college there in 2002. So, uh, you know, that's kind of my, my journey into officiating and, uh, you know, fortunate enough, uh, it kind of came back around. Um, I was able to work seven years, uh, on a varsity crew with my dad and, uh, a gentleman named Doug Streeter, who unfortunately had passed away this, um, recently, but, uh, you know, we, we had a great time. Um, those are seven years of officiating that that I will absolutely cherish uh, forever. Well, you probably picked up a lot of things from your dad, which is uh, really, uh, I think, a, a treasure in itself to be able to officiate that long. And, and I know a lot of guys take, take their parents or mom or dad or whatever to a game, but to be able to be on the floor with your dad, that, that has to be special. Yeah, uh, you know, and... It was, and, and we kind of, like I mentioned, we had a crew, and my dad, you know, so if, if anybody knows me, I'm five foot six, maybe seven on a good day, um, <laughs> and my dad's six foot four, um, and doesn't really, he was a railroader, so he's, you know, kind of has that mentality, so uh, when we'd officiate, the three of us, my, my dad was kind of the enforcer, um, Doug was the rules guy, you know, when it was all in the rules, and, you know, tight on that. And then I was the, uh, the communicator with the coaches and, you know, I, I tried to be really sharp on my mechanics and, and we all kind of flowed together, uh, well that way. Um, you know, and again, like, you know, riding the games and stuff like that. Um, you know, we talked about so much, uh, it was, it was, it was just great. Uh, that's, that's great. And of course that led you to, um, a state tournament game that you had, uh, last year, uh, on the girls' side, a Final Four game in Ohio. And that in itself, my goodness, had to be uh, thrilling for you and thrilling for your dad too, right? Yeah, it was It was, It was. was really great. Um, you know, honored to obviously be selected uh, to get to that level. Um, something that, you know, you work hard for. Uh, you you want to get to that next level every year. Um, you know, and, and fortunate enough with all the protocols put in place, uh, I wanted to thank I can't think it was Josh Felix, who was my partner on that game that uh, offered up his two tickets uh, for my parents to be able to come to the game uh, because, you know, we only had limited amount. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
it was really appreciated. I'm, I'm glad they got to come and see that. Um, so being able to experience that together in a way, uh, was, was really special. Um, he always gives me crap about, well, I wouldn't have been there if you wouldn't have taught me and stuff, you know, just ribbing me, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> had he not, you know, pushed me and made me do the right things, uh, I for sure would have not been there. Yeah. Yep. So I want to spend some time uh, talking about your military background as well. Um, you know, I think that's a, an important part of, of life. And uh, obviously, I think it's an important part of your life. So talk about uh, some of your experiences um, with your National Guard duties. I know you went to Afghanistan. Uh, maybe you've had some other assignments. But talk a little bit about that and maybe what you're doing now. I know that uh, COVID kept you busy as well. Yeah, so uh, I enlisted in 2004 and then commissioned uh, as a second lieutenant in 2007. Uh, so I'm at 17 years plus of service to the uh, Ohio Army National Guard. Uh, over that time, like you said, I, I, de I deployed to Afghanistan in 2010. Uh, there I was the plans officer for uh, about 600 soldier battalion uh, focused on route clearance. Uh, so looking for improvised explosive devices or IEDs uh, along the routes, uh, sending our platoons out in harm way every day um, to uh, better uh, keep the routes safe for not only the uh, coalition forces, but also the, you know, the citizens of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, kind of a, a big deal there that, that we took part in uh, back really in the heavy, heavy part of that conflict. Um, some of the other things I've been, been able to go do was uh hurricane gustav uh, when that came through louisiana that was after katrina so they they kind of learned lessons in katrina uh they thought gustav was going to be just as bad uh it was pretty bad we went we went down to louisiana for about a month and uh did did relief down there in some of their parishes which are townships or counties to us uh that that were harder hit and didn't have the resources to really dig themselves out uh so you know again that's a great part of being in the guard, you get to get to help your, your fellow citizens, you know, not deploying forward to a foreign country, but help the folks here out that, that really, you know, need a hand up and uh, being able to support them was great. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously, you know, we had talked, I, I think, um, previously that COVID relief mission, uh, back when this first started and they thought that we were going to have the big, uh, wave of, if, hospitalizations they put together what was called a joint engineer assessment team so i'm an engineer officer and uh based on my location and experience and position uh, i was in charge of the northwest ohio uh, engineer team so what we did was go around and assess different locations uh, that could have been used as alternate care facilities uh, should the hospitals overflow uh, so you know we went went to BGSU, looked at the field house. We looked at the Huntington Center in Toledo. We looked at uh, Seagate Center. We looked at some abandoned or underused uh, nursing facilities or uh, other facilities that were state run maybe that, that had some op openings where we could have put folks. Uh, and we assessed them for their viability and what we would need to actually get those up and running. Uh, what we ended up with was, uh, and it was in the news, the Seagate Center was going to be the alternate care facility for Northwest Ohio, uh, should it get that bad. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we had to work with some contracting companies to make sure we got all the appropriate beddings, uh, barriers, oxygen tanks, all the stuff that you could imagine you would need. Uh, we had to work through that uh, with the state, uh, state of Ohio and the private companies to get all that lined up. So uh, that really, you know, it sounds like a lot. And we, we did it for just over a month. Uh, to get that lined up. So we, we moved a lot of mountains per se uh, in a short amount of time uh, to get all these five different regions have an established place where should it get bad enough, uh, we could, we could open it. And it was on about a 10 day, like if we told them they they could have it ready in like 10 days for about 600 people. So that's a lot of work on your part. Um, I think you just, when did you become Lieutenant Colonel? Uh, let's see. It was about, uh, May, May or June. I thought it was rather recently. Um, yeah. so that's a, a really good promotion for yourself. Um, talk to a little bit, talk to us a little bit about that promotion and, uh, what that does for you maybe personally or what it does for you in the guard. Yeah. So, uh, it, Previously, I was an operations officer for a, for a battalion and uh, of about 400 soldiers. Uh, so basically worked with, you know, making sure all of our operations went off, uh, orders, production, different training, all that stuff. we kind of in charge of that. Um, it, as the progression goes, you know, based on your experience, your schooling, uh, evaluations, things like that, then, you know, you kind of get put in different positions. Um, Fortunately, um, I got selected to be the battalion commander with this promotion uh, for the 837th Brigade Engineer Battalion out of Springfield, Ohio, uh, which is about 450 soldiers uh, strong. Uh, so I'm in, basically in charge of all them, uh, what happens. And, uh, you know, it, it's a great, great promotion. Uh, it's a place that, that not many officers get to be to be at, you know, it's kind of like working a state tournament. If you want to put it in basketball terms, you know, you kind of work your way up and, uh, through the ranks and, and, uh, it's kind of, kind of the pinnacle of where a lot of guys get when they retire, uh, to be quite honest with you, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, if you can get to that point and be in command of a battalion, uh, you've had a very successful career. And, uh, again, just very fortunate, uh, much like officiating to have great, uh, you know, fellow officers, fellow non-commissioned officers that really, you know, were the, I always say, I just surrounded myself with a bunch of smart people and then, you know, just went with what they said and it worked out pretty good. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that, that's been, uh, been great. Honestly, Mark, I never thought that I would get, get to that point when I didn't even know when I joined the army, how far I wanted to go. And it, it's, it's kind of like officiating you, you get into it and you just love doing it. You love being with the, the, the other officials, the soldiers in this case, and uh, working as a team. And uh, the relationships are really what keeps you in it and coming back the next time. So, um, you know, it's helped me be a better leader in, in all aspects of life, been a better planner, a communicator, and, and really, you know, talking about that experience in Afghanistan, it really helped me to be a grown-up. Uh, I went when I was 26, so sure, I was, you know, mid-20s, but... I'll tell you, it, learned, it it helped me to not sweat the small stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, look at the big picture. So 
you kind of answered my next question about how it's helped you in officiating. And uh, so let's go beyond that a little bit. And we are in the pregame section. So talk a little bit about your pregame. I know as the, uh, and we'll get into your titles on the 5th District Officials Association, but you are the rules interpreter uh, for the 5th District. You also teach the officiating class. But um, and you've covered pregame before in some of your um, in some of your lessons. So talk a little bit about what you discuss uh, when you go into your pregame. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of it depends on and, and I'm sure you're you're kind of the same way as who you're working with that night. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, if I'm working with Lee and Doug and we work, you know, twice a week together, sometimes, if not more, uh we might have a little bit different pregame each time uh, based on, you know, maybe what we had the last game or what, you know, the fortunate thing, like you mentioned with my kind of being the rules guy and stuff like that, I hear a lot of stuff from other people so I can incorporate a lot of those plays um, into our pregames, whether it be with Lee and Doug or whomever I'm working with, like, Hey, here's a play. What do you guys think? And then we can talk about it. And uh, you know, it kind of gives us that springboard, into a discussion, which uh, Lee always likes to say it's a dialogue, not a monologue. <laughs> That's um, true. You know, so I don't like to, I don't like to be the only guy talking. You know, I, if we can get something, uh, I know there's another official that that I'll kind of relate the story here in a minute, but says he always kind of starts with "Let's talk some basketball." You know, because oftentimes <laughs> you get in and you're talking about your family and what happened on the you know the Browns game last weekend or this or that and you're like, oh, crap, we got to go out and officiate. So um, I like to kind of get either a rules thing or something that we had maybe the last time, you know, I like to start a discussion um, and then just talk about, you know, some of the normal things, especially if it's guys we're not used to working with or uh, two of us are comfortable and one of us is a newer person that we haven't worked with. You know, let's talk about some positioning, some rotations, how we're going to hold whistles, you know, where the play is going to come from, who's going to call it, you know, those kinds of things to really get everybody in sync. So when we get out there, it looks like we're three guys that are just fluid all the time. Um, And another big thing is just communication. That's one thing that I always like to bring up in pregame is communicate, you know, make, even if it's just eye contact. And I know it, it, Lee and I really like to do that. Um, and it's a big thing for us is just look at each other, you know, make each other feel comfortable on the court with eye contact, you know, a a fist pound on a good call, just things like that. So, you know, that we're a team out there and we, and, and there's enough people against us. So let's, let's be together while we're out there. True. And the Lee you're talking about is Lee Schaefer. Yes. Yes. Lee Schaefer. Sorry. Yep. And and Doug the Slover. Right. Yep. Yeah, and, and pregame is such an important part, and we're glad that, you know, I, I really love that comment about it, it is a dialogue and not a monologue because everybody does need to get involved um, in, in the pregame, and, and that's an excellent point. Um, as we close the pregame section on this uh, segment of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast, so we are going to go to our first quarter, but first we want to hear a little bit about our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC. We'll be right back. Hey ref, this is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years 
and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio, and I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey ref, click on www.pq-2.com. So we go into our first quarter. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about mentoring because I think it's such an important part of basketball from a veteran's uh, uh, point of view. And, and I think we need probably more of that uh, in officiating. So uh, it's a good segment to talk about this. And, and you know, you've had some great success in officiating, uh, Brett, with uh, what, what you've been able to do so far. How have you progressed through the ranks um, you know, starting in Ohio, for those listening outside of Ohio, our tournament runs go um, postseason. We, we go sectional tournament uh, where we have semifinals and finals, and then we go district, semifinals, finals, regional, semifinal, fi- semifinals, and finals, and then we go to the state, which is the final four, and then we have the semifinals and the finals there as well. So uh, Brett himself has worked, like I mentioned earlier, um, at the state tournament. So how did you progress and what do you think has contributed to uh, your success? Yeah, so um, my, my progression, Mark, I think I didn't really get a sectional game until probably, I think I was a fill-in, maybe my seventh season mm-hmm. of officiating. And I started working varsity probably half and half, maybe season three, because again, I was fortunate enough to work with my dad and they pulled me onto their crew and just, you know, and then started working more and more varsity games. Um, but I think that that year I worked uh, as a fill in cause I lived in Norwalk and they needed somebody uh, kind of last minute. And I was, you know, probably in the pool or whatever. And, and uh, I got to work with the priest Priestman brothers. Oh yeah. Um, yep. So uh, that was a good experience, uh, you know, good game. And then the next year, I think, I had gotten, you know, some more sectionals, but it was the year I ended up having to deploy. So I <laughs> had to give those all back. Um, so, you know, kind of, kind of that year threw it off a little bit. And, uh, cause I didn't get to officiate at all, uh, being in Afghanistan, we played, we played some basketball, but, uh, I didn't officiate and it didn't count for HSAA. So, um, you know, hence year 19, not 20, right. but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it was just working those games and working with uh, with good officials uh, that helped me progress. You know, like we talk about a lot. Look at the look at the guys that you want at the level you want to be at and see what they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, really starting to work with them and see what those guys were doing uh, was probably the biggest part of my progression because it kind of helped me tailor my game. Uh, to what what the successful officials were doing mm-hmm. um, and then you know also just going to camps uh, watching film I mean I, I think I still have some VCR tapes of some of my games uh, <laughs> so but you know it started watching it that far far back you know and then DVDs and now with huddle and I mean it's so, you can watch so many games you can pull it off a live stream you can watch yourself you can watch who's on what game and uh, then just having other trusted agents, you know, that that have been there, 
guys that you can talk with, assigners that come and watch you. Um, but, you know, having that looking to seek out and get with others that have the same drive and success you want is really, I think, the way to progress. Um, you know, because they kind of know the system, you know, what game, you know, who you got to work with, how you got to work a game. And and I think we'll talk about it later, you know, with the game management stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, and that's part of that progression is seeing what the successful guys are doing and emulating that and and then putting your own spin on it with your personality, because, you know, I'm going to, I have a different personality than, than anybody else, you know, and we all do, but how does your, how can you put that in with the game management and work a good game to, uh, to get to each next level? Yep. No, that, that's a great point. And uh, everybody has their own unique way of doing things. And I know I still look at other officials to see what, what they do and, and what kind of mechanics. And maybe I pick up something here or there, but I, I'm still, I still have to be true to who I am. I can't be, um, you know, what they are. And, and um, uh, that's that you're right. That is real important to be able to make it your own too. Um, you obviously had your dad as a great mentor. Uh, was there anybody else in the picture that uh, served as a really good mentor to you? Well, yeah, I, I kind of thought about this a little bit. And, uh, you know, obviously, yeah, my dad, biggest one. Uh, again, I still call him after games and talk about things. I'll, you know, they come up and watch my daughter once a week or something and I'll whip out the laptop and, hey, watch this play and watch what happened, you know, and we, we still talk about it, and uh, he gives me feedback, or you know, like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have had whatever. Thanks, you know. <laughs> um, That's what dads are yeah, for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, and I think it's fun. You know, good for him too. Kind of keeps him, you know, into the officiating. Although you know, he doesn't want to run up and down the floor anymore, but it gives us something good to bond over and talk about. But um, you know, really, I've mentioned him several times, Mark, and Lee. Uh, Lee is probably for being a current official and one of my primary partners has been a great, uh, mentor for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happened that one night at a, at a association meeting in Wood County when I was living in BG, uh, he knew my dad was, was getting out and, uh, he said, Hey, you want to partner up? And, uh, I said, Oh yeah, I guess, you know, and, uh, <laughs> You know, you know, his joke is he traded in, I trade, I traded in my old model for another old model. Uh, <laughs> so, but you know, honestly, if he wouldn't have asked me and, and got me back going, I don't know if I would really still be officiating to be quite honest with you. Um, Cause when my dad got done, I really was kind of just waving out in the wind, you know, I was again, doing pretty decent for myself, but it was just, you know, we talk about that brotherhood and sisterhood and yeah. getting those good relationships and Lee pushed me, you know, he, he was going to some camps and he got me going to some of the college camps and, you know, with Ryan Damon, uh, he got me going to the camp too. And, and, uh, kind of re re-energized me and, uh, Lee, I mean, I'll tell you, there's no one that I know more dedicated to getting better and, and looking at plays and things than him. I mean, it's, it, a barrage of clips weekly uh, of things that we go back and forth on. And, uh, you know, you can have mentors that are, that are with you all the time. And, uh, you know, it's like we're part of a family now. So uh, I would say he would be my other one, you know, and then, and then there's guys you just, you follow and, 
you know, there's some other current guys and I'm not going to name drop, but some of the guys that, you know, you always saw in games from our area when I was growing up, the John Gurneys, uh, the Chris mm-hmm. Gutmans, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that, that you were like, man, they're on every good game. Like <laughs> any game that was going to be anything, those guys were on, you know? And uh, I, we were trying to remember who their third was and I, I couldn't really remember it. it might've been a blanket chip or something like that, but you know, that's the guys. And I remember, you know, John, I don't know if you, you got to meet him. I um, did. Yeah. I, I met John at a, a tournament game and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. So great guy. He <clears> signed <throat> my class one form, you know, evaluated me like a legit evaluation, told me some stuff and, you know, I'll, I'll be uh, forever. Remember that. Cause he was a great guy and a great official. Uh, so. Yeah, but, he, he really was. And, and, uh, uh, the, the only time I, I was able to work with him, actually I worked with him twice, uh, both tournament games, but the, the very first one that I worked with him uh, was a, a tournament game at Bowling Green State University back when it was Anderson Arena. And yeah. and I didn't know John, and, and it was Lima Sr. and Mansfield Sr. Oh, and he, yeah, and he came in and, and was so calm and uh, had a, that smile on his face that uh, I always remember that. And, and boy, did he teach after the game. And I was, I was so thankful that he was on that game. And I was, I was so sad when he, uh, when I learned he passed away a few years, you know, several years ago now, but um, what a, uh, a great time that was. I always remember that game though, because he took time out of his schedule to really uh, educate. I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was he was just a great guy. Yeah. My dad and I were just talking about that last night because you know told him we were going to talk today, and uh, you know we we got to recall some good memories and things yeah. yesterday about, about him and other guys. So yeah, he had a heck of a lot more hair than I did too. That's for sure. But yeah, <laughs> yeah he did have a nice flow going. <laughs> you know, we talk about mentoring, and every once in a while, that mentor has to say something that really gets your attention. Have you had that uh, either with Lee or with your dad when they said something? You were like. Wow, that was kind of a, like a light bulb moment. Yeah, you know, uh, I was kind of thinking about that, and um, I think going back to the pregame, uh, this has probably been one of the biggest changers for me, Mark, and why I'm, you know, kind of we did the pregame video, and I like to talk about it. Um, was I had a game a couple years ago? I was a fill-in. I mean, it was uh, kind of down in the southwest where I'm not typically working, you know, so I was with two guys I didn't know and uh, pretty good rivalry game, non-conference, but a, a locality rivalry. And, uh, you know, we really didn't have a pregame and uh, it showed when we were on the floor. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't a comfortability factor. We had some couple things happen. Both coaches were challenging coaches, uh, are challenging coaches to work games for. And, uh, you know, I, it was a remiss because I think I was probably the most, we'll say experienced official there. Uh, but you know, a lot of times when you're the fill in, you're, you're kind of, you don't want to ruffle feathers. I didn't know either of those guys and they knew each other. And, but, uh, there was a couple of things, like I said, happened in the game. And I got a call from a, an official from down in that area who, you know, great, great official been around a long time. And, uh, he, he you know, he talked to me through that game and, and, uh, this was, like I said, probably three, four years ago. And, uh, I said, you know, we didn't really have much of a pregame and that bothers me. And he said, 
and, and he's the one that said, I, if we're not having a good start to a pregame, I say, let's talk about basketball. Hmm. And honestly, uh, like I said, my dad and Lee, that people have probably told me a hundred things, but at least, um, but that has probably been the one that stuck with me the most because that game still bothers me. I still talk about the one play in my class. Um, and I think we could have avoided a lot of the, what we had just having a good pregame. Sure. Yep. Totally. And, and I appreciated that official calling me. I didn't feel like he was being, you know, over the top or talking down, you know, whatever the case may be that you want to say, you know, it, and I was at 15 years, 14 years experience, but it made a difference. Yep. And, and I don't know if I've ever told him that and I probably should. Well, he knows now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Hopefully he's listening, yeah. but yeah. Uh, that's great. Well, that is the end of our first quarter. We are going to go to the second quarter and talk about officiating improvements. We'll be right back. Hey, ref objectivity, integrity, and experience, all hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2 LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customers' successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. So the second quarter begins, and uh, as we mentioned, Brett is the rules interpreter for the 5th District Officials Association and also an instructor uh, for new officials. Um, as the rules interpreter, um, it's a, really it's a valuable position for uh, the local association. So spend a, some time, if you would, and talk a little bit about local association meetings. Um, you know, what makes a good local association meeting and, and what kind of things um, do you do in the 5th District Association? I kind of say that tongue-in-cheek because I'm in the same association. Um, <laughs> to, to, uh, uh, to make it uh, a meeting that is uh, worth worth uh, watching yeah well you know mark we have a great team uh within the fifth district uh so that's that's helpful and and by team i mean all the officials uh, i think we have a good association and and people that are willing to present and want to ask questions and be engaged and, and i think that is a big thing is engagement and just not coming in and sitting yep. um but you know, I still hear of us, and uh, one of the things that got me uh, in some of my previous associations, and even I still hear about, is the, uh, we'll just sit down, open the rule book, and read through a rule or two during the meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, while that is important, because it does refresh you on the rule, it might not be the best thing that we can do. And I, you know, I like to look at it, and and I know a couple other associations do this really well too. Um, you know, and technology is involved. So we, we have a lot, especially if you have the meeting at a school and you can hook into their system, which a lot of these associations are, you know, fortunate to have, or they have it at a place where they can, you know, you can pull up videos, um, and review those and use those as part of the, the, uh, the meeting. 
you can still have your rules discussion, whether it be on the video or the guy, you know, somebody comes up and says, Hey, I had this happen in a game, you know, and we talk through it. And, um, you know, even if you have a uh, court court time available, you know, I know we've done that in the past, um, where we've, we've done a couple on court and, uh, that's valuable as well. And if you think of it, you know, being a teacher by, by trade, I guess, um, you know, you're kind of hitting multiple learning styles, you know, you, you, some discussion, some visual stuff, some hands-on, if you can get on the court and, and the more that we can, we can touch those areas. Uh, I think the better and more youthful it is for our officials because everybody sees it in a different way. Yep. You know, if, if you think like, even when we do it in class, I, we get confused sometimes because, you know, the case book, A1 did this, B1 did this, A2 did, you know, and you start, you're like, wait a second, let me write this out because I can't, you know, and or if you talk out some of those plays, people can't visualize that. So if we can pop a, a play up, you know, uh, I think the last, well, we did our online meeting and, um, you know, we did the section on backcourt, frontcourt, backcourt. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's hard when somebody explains that to you verbally or even in a text or whatever. So if you can look at some video, you you might get, oh, that's right. That's what it was. Yep. You know, and it's hard to explain some of those those rules or those situations unless you have a video. So I think having video or being able to show it in some way is good. Um, and getting other, other folks up, you know, is a good thing too. Not just having your rules guy or your president or, you know, the, the one guy that's done four state tournaments or whatever be the only ones that talk. Um, you know, I know we had some newer officials, uh, one that took my class a couple of years ago. Uh, she talked at yep. a, a meeting uh, this year and another guy that's a fairly new official talked and they went through some video and some different things. That was great. That's how you, you know, that is uh, how we build a whole organization yep. of, of helping. And, and that's one thing my dad said, he's like, yeah, when I, when I officiated, the varsity guys didn't want anybody else to get any better. You know, like they had their games and they didn't want anybody else to get better. Well, I want us to be better as a group because that way you're getting the same calls seventh grade through 12th grade or the same situations are being adjudicated the same way. Right. The games are being, you know, that's what we should be looking for. And we should be finding our replacements because who knows when anybody's going to go down with an injury, you're going to have a family change, you know, whatever you might get thrust into duty uh you know sooner than you wanted to or in games that you might not be ready for and if if we're not doing a good job training guys uh throughout and gals throughout the whole organization we're not helping the organization you know to to get the next round of folks in there as an instructor yourself um of the newer officials what kind of things do you see with younger officials um, maybe that some of the things that you like and maybe some of the things that young officials can improve upon. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing we can work on, uh, for new officials and, and is in our, uh, mechanics and in positioning. Uh, you know, a lot of times you get out there and they want you, they want to be really stationary, um, and, and kind of, you know, I'm the trail. I must stand right here. I'm the lead. I must stand right here. And, uh, you know, we, we talk that in class, 
uh, and work on it. And we do scrimmages as part of the class, except for last year because of COVID and the restrictions. But, um, you know, so we get live game action and just getting guys to, to move and get better angles and things like that, uh, I think is one of the biggest things to work on. Actually, yesterday, uh, Mark, one of the guys that just took my class uh, this past year uh, wanted to review some some game film. So we popped on Zoom yesterday and went through about a quarter of his game from the other day. And uh, that was probably one of the biggest things we keyed on was just his positioning. Yep. I'm like, you know, hey, you know, if you're if you're the lead and the ball kicks clear to the other side, don't be afraid to, to get to that close down so you can help out over there or, you know, step down as the lead or as the trail. I'm sorry. You know, or, you know, you kind of got to figure out when to step up or step down, but work to get that angle between those players. And, and I have a really good uh, photo. We show the class of uh, Jenna Schrader, who's now in the NBA uh, official um, working a game. And I mean, she has a perfect look between the players. And, and that's something we talk about. Uh, you want to really work to get that position. Um, but I, I think that is one of the that and just getting comfortable blowing the whistle you know, stopping the clock with the correct open the open hand, closed fist, and then doing what we need to do. Um, you know, everybody, it's just kind of in a hurry because the comfortable comfortability factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would say those are probably kind of the biggest things. You know, judgment is judgment, um, and, and you can get better at it by seeing plays and uh, doing more low, you know, lower level games, seeing a lot of those plays, knowing when when to call certain things and when not to. Uh, but a lot of times I don't harp on guys' judgment. It's more of were you in position to see what you needed to see and did you, you know, adjudicate it properly after that? Because judgment judgment comes with time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, hey, let's um, take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll head to the third and fourth quarters, followed by the post game and the five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Hey, Ref, this is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralich and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rockin', And we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. So welcome back. Our third quarter, and uh, we talked just a little bit about game management, um, you know, such an important part of uh, the basketball uh, game. And, and uh, you know, I think there's a time when we're officiating and we get maybe to our, I don't know, third, fourth year, and maybe uh, maybe it's longer for some people, maybe it's shorter for some people, but that light bulb goes off in our head and we kind of realize the importance of, of game management. Wouldn't you say, Brett? Yeah, I'll tell you, that's, that's become increasingly important. Uh, and it always has been, but I think a lot of times it hasn't been, uh, quote unquote, advertised as much 
Um, and again, I'm sorry to keep referring back to my dad, but we were talking about it yesterday. And uh, just, you know, we, we pro- he goes, well, I just would call what I saw. And I mean, we do that most generally, but sometimes, you know, you, you, there's those plays where you got that 50-50, it could have been out of bounds or it could have been the guy coming over the top and getting some body. So you go, you know, give him the ball instead of the foul. And, um, you know, kind of knowing that management and seeing how that plays into the game flow and the overall game, uh, you know, is something that some, you're right, some guys get real quick and some guys, it takes a little bit of time to develop that because you, you do, you depends if you're really black and white and that was a foul or if you know, well, we can, you know, save a foul, ball goes and we keep playing. And, uh, you know, I think that is one of the things, uh, for game management that's important is to keep that flow going, uh, and knowing what to blow or not blow and when. Well, um, how do you teach that? How do you teach game management? Is it something that that has to be learned, or is it something that has to be experienced, or maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of both, um, or maybe that's where your mentor gets involved, right? Well, yeah, you know that's a great question, Mark, and I think it's it's a combination of all of those. Uh, you know, in class we try and watch film and, and discuss some of it, and then put it into practice in the scrimmages, and and with, then we can give live feedback because we're standing there on the court, much like at a camp or something, or at least watching the guys, and we can say, hey, you know, this situation happened, you did this, you know, and you can talk about it in live time, but until you get working games, I think, and seeing the impacts of your quote unquote management skills, uh, I think then that's where the experience part comes in. And which is why I would tell guys, you know, not necessarily to try and rush right to varsity or think you're going to be doing a state tournament in year four all the time. You know, sometimes you got to see those plays and learn your management style and, and that'll help you really in your, your move up. Um, And then when you tie it in, you know, if you have a mentor, uh, like you mentioned, or some trusted agent, you can sit down with them and then they can kind of go over, uh, you know, film or a post game if they watch we're able to watch you do a game live or whatever and how to improve so yeah i think it's something that i've gotten a lot better at and still can get better at at 19 you know seasons but uh yeah some guys get it and they're natural at it and some it just takes a little bit of time yep it took me a while <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's the way it goes sometimes <laughs> slow learners um <laughs> So that, yeah, we're going to uh, wrap up the third quarter. I know we were pretty lengthy on the first half, so just for you people who are listening, uh, stay with us. We're going to shorten our fourth quarter and post game, and the five quick decisions will be quick, but uh, we're going to take a break again. We're going to come back and talk about a rule, which is fitting for Brett as the rule interpreter. So we'll be right back. Hey, ref, the fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game in the balance, a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq2llc.com. 
pq-2.com to learn how we've earned our stripes. So, so we enter the fourth quarter, and Brett just made a comment. I think we've entered the running clock in the in the fourth quarter, and he's absolutely correct. We're in, we're in the running clock. Uh, we are we are going to talk about a, a rule that's a, a new thing that we're bringing uh, to the podcast. Is our fourth quarter is going to be about a rule and discussion? Um, we have a a Q and A in Ohio. And uh, it's a really good, uh, a really good thing that's passed out to all the officials, and uh, courtesy of, of Asa Donaldson and also the OHSAA. So we appreciate that. Um, the the rule that we're going to touch today is uh, five two one, and that is jumpers facing the wrong direction. So during the pregame uh, practice period, the visiting team properly uses the east goal, and the home team is on the west goal. So the officials, by mistake, allow the jumpers to face the wrong direction to start the game. A1 then controls the tap by tapping the ball back to A2. And A2, realizing that uh, he or she warmed up at the basket behind A1, dribbles to that basket and, and scores the uncontested basket. So what do you do? Here's three options. You score the basket by Team A. And it's Team B's ball out of bounds. The officials should have stopped the game to emphasize to both teams the proper direction. Um, that's what they should do at, at that point. Or is it B, that you do not score the basket by Team A and restart the game with the jumpers facing the correct way? Or is it C, that allow Team B to have an opportunity on offense, kind of like overtime rules in football, and then stop the game and emphasize the correct direction to each team. So, Brett Green, what do you have? Well, uh, in, <clears throat> in face value of that, Mark, I'm going to say that's not one of the five correct boyers, right? Correct. Uh, so we're not going to uh, do a redo. We don't do redos. Uh, that, that was one thing I remember from going to a camp. We don't do redos. <laughs> so I think B's out. Uh, yeah, we don't do... Uh, much like B, we don't do redos or give the opportunity, like you said, in football on offense. So I think C's out. So uh, I believe A is the correct answer there. Yeah, if I had uh, some audience yelling, I would do that right now. But yes, that, that is correct answer. You, you know, I think one of the places that we find this maybe a little bit more often is um, maybe an overtime period when the teams come out and um, – uh, for overtime, and they might face the direction that they started the game out with, not in the second half, but start the way they started the game out. And that's something to be careful with in this situation. But, um, yeah, talk a little yeah. bit about uh, about this rule. Well, yeah, I'll tell you, that, uh, <laughs> like you mentioned there, the overtime, that's one of the biggest <laughs> things I worry about if we, you know, do go into overtime is, uh, is that. Are they facing the right direction? I always have that, like, in the back of my head, is that right? You know, you're, you're seeing out there. Is that, yeah, no, that's right. They're facing the right. Uh, no. Yeah. And you argue with yourself and you're like, no, they're right. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, like we mentioned, it, it's not a correctable error. Uh, it, there's no redos. So those should be when you're, when you're kind of working through, um, that situation. And of course, everybody's going to be, like you said, yelling at you. 
B's not going to be happy because it's two points and it was uncontested. Uh, but there's no really other recourse except for, all right, we messed up. Uh, B's got the ball and we're going to play on. And you're going this way and you're going that way. Yep. Um, you know, and that's why it's important, I think, too, if you're the R or even the U, U1 uh, or the U2 in a three-man, uh, don't it why it's always important to be ready at the tip you know and we talk about that a lot well there's a lot of weird things that can happen and we had a violation uh the other night the the u1 caught it girl stepped on the division line for the toss mm. you know i i can't see that mm. obviously i'm trying not to get hit in the head and, and i'm so short anyways it, the girls were taller than me so um i just didn't want an elbow to the nose but uh you know you got to be ready from the tip mark and and uh, that's something that those guys can help with. And if you're the R, you're looking at the colors. And, you know, I always say white's going this way and black's going that way. And you take a quick glance at the bench, make sure you're right. They're going away from their bench and, and uh, you know, or towards their bench if it's a overtime period. So, you know, those are just some preventative things that we can have happen um, to, to not get in that situation. Uh, you know, God forbid it happens, but uh, – Something's always inevitably going to happen, but if we can prevent a lot of things, that's one thing that we can prevent, and uh, it saves us a lot of heartache and getting yelled at by at least half the stands. Very true. Very, very true. All right, well, that's the end of our fourth quarter. We're going to go to our post game, talk about some li- our lives outside of the basketball court. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, good game. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials And then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. So some of the best parts of basketball officiating, we all know this, it's it's that brother and sisterhood of officiating. So Brett, talk a little bit about that. Um, some of the examples that you might have, I know traveling with Lee and, and Doug, uh, probably are some great experiences. And not only that, you learn maybe some life lessons as well along the way, but talk about how, how much enjoyability you have with, uh, with, uh, that brother and sisterhood. Yeah, I think the most, uh, most thing for me, Mark, is traveling to and from the games. Uh, I'm not a big, um, stop after and get food or things kind of guy just based on schedule and family and things like that you know do every now and then but uh the biggest the biggest thing is those rides of the game i love carpool and and yeah you get to talk you know if, if you can even if it's somebody that you're not familiar with and you can try and link up and you know it gives you that yeah you learn a little bit more about them you're a little bit more comfortable out there i'll tell you Lee, lee's been like a second dad i call him my winter dad uh is <laughs> just he's with me uh, a lot in the winter and you know we talk about a lot of life things and you get advice from somebody that's it's not ingrained in your life all the time which sometimes you that you need that mm-hmm. and uh you know learning things about each other that way and you know with doug and and 
you know, we talk about our, we both have young families and have some things to share there and, you know, trials and tribulations of toddlers and, and, uh, things like that. So I think that's some of the most fun stuff. And, and again, working with my dad, I learned more about my dad that I had never known, uh, in the first, however many, you know, 20 years of life that I had, uh, that I learned in the next seven <laughs> some of the shenanigans he pulled that that I never heard about until you know we started writing the ball game. So, uh, oh, you you actually did stuff that wasn't you know I thought you know, oh okay it wasn't so, dad like right? Yeah, yeah, you got you got into some stuff, but uh, you, you know that was great. And and in those drives, and and I probably stole my dad, and we joke about this all the time. I never carry cash, so I probably owe him probably. For I don't know how many hot dogs for games. So I think he has a spreadsheet that's just going to get tacked off of, uh, you know, an inheritance or something. But uh, that and and even just if talking to guys on the phone, you know, I I talk to some of the other guys and gals. We'll we'll call each other. Hey, what'd you have? You know, guess what happened tonight in our game? You know, I'm sure you get those calls too, and they're like, oh, what? And then you get into it. Oh yeah, that and blah blah blah. And, then, you know, again, that leads into your next pregame because, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I heard this about whatever this game. Right. So it's, (laughs) it's beneficial on multiple levels, personal, you know, friendship, professional, you never know what connections you might make, you know, in your, in your civilian professional life and just the officiating, you know, it's those connections that you make. It's awesome. Yep. No doubt about it. And, and you're married, you have one child, one on the way and, Man, life is busy with farming and the military and basketball officiating and being a husband and a father. So, man, it's it's tough to do sometimes, isn't it? I mean, you really have to balance all of that in your life. Talk about that, how you're able to do that and uh, how how you can help maybe other officials know that um, it, it truly is something that you have to balance in life. Well, I can sum it up real quick with Google Calendar. But then... Uh... <laughs> And share it with your wife. But, um, you, you know, it, it's a yearly discussion on, on basketball and how much games you do and things like that and yeah. evolving. Um, I know that, that with the, the another addition to the family and things, I'm, you know, kind of looking at my, my out year schedules here to, to pare it down a little bit to make sure I'm doing – doing more of the family thing and keeping that balance, you know, where it was just, Hey, I'm going to go do a ball game. Okay. See you later. You know, now it's, where are you going? You know, daddy. And then that's, that's a lot different, Mark. And it kind of hits you different as, you know, I'm sure, you know, you got a couple daughters right? and, uh, but a lot of it's communication, uh, keep with your spouse, uh, keeping a good calendar up, giving when you can, uh, you know, Sometimes things happen and you might have to, you know, I hate to say it, but get off a game or something to help balance things out. Yep. And, you know, I would say signers understand that. And I like to be forthright if I have something, Hey, you know, life happened. I need to get off a game. And most guys, you know, a lot of guys, if you provide a suitable replacement, they're good with it and you move on. I, I don't like to do that often because I like to honor my contracts and do my games, but um, you know, I, meetings come up for me, the military, I got meetings and things that come up, you know, you schedule a game four years in advance. I don't know what meetings I'm going to have and uh, other, other things. So uh, a lot of it's just being transparent and being a good communicator 
with everybody involved. Um, Bad news does not get better with time for anybody. Uh, So, you know, and and like I said, just openly communicate with with anybody. I don't think an assigner is going to get mad if you're just honest. Yeah. No, no Uh, question about that. Family, you know, family should always come first. And, uh, you know, you could do what Jeff Klaus does. His wife makes out his schedule. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> Jeff's life uh, must be pretty nice because I know Jeff works a lot of ball games. So, oh, <laughs> but, uh, ours, ours is a is a vacation fund. So whatever basketball, yeah. it's that's the trade off. I go do basketball games, and we get to go uh, to a nice warm beach somewhere yeah. every every other year. Or so it's a nice trade off. I like that. Yeah, it's not, yeah. so. All right, well, that's the end of our post game. We're going to go to our five quick decisions. As a wrap-up, we will be right back. Hey, Ref. PQ2 LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Official site relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night, year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years. So our five quick decisions um, generally are pretty short questions or short answers. Uh, always try to save the funniest ones toward the last part of it. So we uh, hopefully we have some of that this time. So we'll start off with the uh, the usual one. What's some of the best food that you've had at basketball games? Well, the best food that, that I can recall having is the chicken and noodles over mashed potatoes at North what? Union High School. What? At a game? Yeah, I, Are you kidding me? Oh, it, it, it was unbelievable. It was so good. Uh, you know, North Union is kind of out in the middle of nowhere. here down by, like, Marion, Marysville area, uh, when I used to live down that way. And, uh, but yeah, they had, like, chicken noodles and mashed potatoes. Oh, it was so good, Mark. My it, goodness. Yeah, I, I can't – nothing can beat that, honestly. I, 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 got, a, I, I got a hot dog and popcorn and uh, a Gatorade uh, over at your neck of the woods on Tuesday, and that's the most I've gotten all season so far, so – that's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They treat you well at Liberty Center. Um, they they do. Nice job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talk about one game you'll always remember officiating and why it's a remembrance. Well, uh, you know, you, you probably think it would be my, my state game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which that is obviously one of the highlights, um, not only because it was a state tournament, but it was in, you know, the, the, the COVID restricted environment and you know that's kind of a specific memory on itself but uh there was a game uh myself a guy i went to college with uh, who was younger than me and my dad were working several years ago i again we were both young bucks and uh the coach had just recently won his 300th game i think and he was not pleased he was also their ad which didn't help but he was not pleased with uh with us and i believe he made a snide comment to me about how i got my license and had just been riding riding me for the whole time because you know my partner and i were in our like early 20s and then my dad uh-huh. and uh so i think i ended up teeing him up and uh 
okay, whatever. Then, then he got in on my, my dad and, and did the, uh, around the gym. You'll never be back here. Point. Feel. Sure. sure. And, and got rung up the second time. So, <laughs> uh, that, that was probably the most interesting game that I'll remember because it was uh, probably a hall of fame coach that we, uh, had to dispose of not that we're proud of it uh, because i don't like to give teas and we don't like to do that but uh you know that's something you remember because it it doesn't happen yeah from from walking onto the basketball floor to walking off the basketball floor at each game uh, that you officiate what's your favorite part of officiating a basketball game uh i would say my favorite part is when we all three bump fist at the table and uh they usually got some music pumping you know, that's hype music. And we, uh, sprint out to, to the, uh, positions to, to get ready to toss. There you go. I like that. That's called the pep uh, band, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I know they don't, we, we don't get that very much anymore, but yeah, you're right. I that, that, but, uh, I, I, I love that. Yeah, I, I do too. Especially when they have eighties music on, which, you know, yeah. right up my time of the yeah. time of the year. Um, <laughs> You, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but maybe there's another story. What's the weirdest or funniest, um, un, most unusual thing that you've ever seen while officiating a high school basketball game? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I could, my, my dad was telling me that uh, he had a raccoon in the gym once. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, during the game, they had to chase it out. Um, so that was interesting. But, uh, you know, I, I think... I don't know. Probably the weirdest thing was uh, one of the courts had bubbled up because of moisture. So like the, oh, yeah. the one hole in was like a, a waterbed um, on the baseline because they got some moisture down there. It's like, <laughs> run over and it kind of like roll with you. But yeah, yeah, I don't. I haven't. I've been fortunate enough to not have uh, too much unusual. I guess I'm kind of a plain plain Jane yeah. as it is. Uh, last question: Funniest thing that a player, coach, or a fan ever said to you? All right, so this is a good story. Okay. We were we were at a high school, and uh, it's kind of again a rural rural school uh, out uh, eastern uh, northeastern more, and uh, girls game afternoon, and uh, like, like I said, my dad's a tall guy, and Doug was kind of my size, but you know, kind of a skinnier guy than me, and uh, we come outside after the game, and it was kind of a, a hard fought battle and, and there's these guys out in the parking lot they're like you guys effing suck you're effing ter-. my dad's like what and they're like you're effing terrible you know we're like and they go all right and doug he just like shoot, sprints to the car he's gone <laughs> and uh i'm like the little like bulldog you know behind my dad yeah 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 you know this guy's like my dad's like, all right, well, we're going to go home and, you know, whatever. And this guy's he keeps just dropping F-bombs and hollering at us. And finally, he goes, where are you going to be when Jesus comes? <laughs> My dad goes, hopefully not standing next to you. <laughs> we get over there, and Doug had went to the wrong car. <laughs> So, I'll tell you, that's the funniest thing that ever happened to us at a game, Mark. I mean, and so we called the AD and told him about it. He's like, yeah, those boys go out there and, uh, you know, hit the bottle in between quarters and stuff. <laughs> but, 
So, so you get in your own car and Doug's not there. Yeah, he's standing beside like two cars down. <laughs> uh, That's yeah, great stuff. Well, we gave him a bunch of a bunch of crap about that. So, uh, we sure oh, miss him. He was a great man. guy. Uh, like I said, he passed away, but man, that was oh, a funny. Oh man, funny that's story. great. Great stuff. That's probably one of the best stories. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for that. Well, Brad, it's been great having you on and uh, to learn about not only your officiating, but your military background. We just appreciate your service. I'm sure I speak for everybody listening. Thanks for your service. And uh, thanks for also what you do on the basketball floor and, and uh, through your mentoring, through your um, through your uh, teaching as well, and, and also for officiating. So thanks for being on the show and, and best of luck this year. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot, Mark. I really appreciate you having me and uh, putting this podcast on. It's always fun to listen to to everybody's uh, viewpoints. So thanks a lot. And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile. And God bless.